Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Sunday for Sunday, August 27th, 2023. We've got another great show for you this week. The Legal Eagles and Oliver Rennick are standing by to break down all the important news and events for the week. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode. We are in Sunday. But if you're tired for the same We're going to kick off the show, as we always do, with a look at what is happening on Capitol Hill in terms of regulation, legislation, litigation, a lot more. Joining us on the line there, the Legal Eagles, David Levine, Kevin Walsh, both with Groom Law Group. That's an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. Gentlemen, great to have you on the program. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Jeff, as always, it's great to be here. You know, I'll give a little teaser. By the time this comes out to the listeners, maybe we'll have some secure 2.0 guidance from the IRS. There's lots of rumors abound. But hopefully in the next week or two, we'll have a whole segment on that. But that is not our topic today. So why don't we dive on in? Yeah, let's uh, transition to you, Kevin. I know we're going to talk about the new SEC rules around private market funds. You want to give us a little bit of uh, a snippet of what they actually what we're talking about here? Yeah, so earlier this week, the, uh, the SEC released 660 pages of, of rulemaking on private fund advisors. With the, the rule package, it relates to the duties and practices that a, uh, a, a general partner, um, a manager of a private fund can, can put in place. And a lot of this springs from Dodd-Frank. Um, you know, prior to Dodd-Frank, there was an exemption from being considered registered enough an advisor for private fund managers. Um, and this, this rulemaking suite um, is part of a suite of, you know, bringing private funds more into line with registered funds in some ways. And if we look at why they're doing this, the SEC points out that we've got 26.7 million working and retired U.S. Pension, public pension plan beneficiaries who have exposure to private funds. And, you know, so one of the, the investor groups the SEC is looking out for here or trying to look out for here uh, is retirement savers. Um, you know, we look at the package, there's kind of three areas the SEC identified harm or potential harm. Uh, lack of transparency, conflict of interest, and lack of governing mechanisms. Uh, and, you know, I can dive in here, uh, but, you know, essentially the SEC put in place a suite of rules. You know, one relates to what has to be put in quarterly statements, annual statements, significantly more disclosure on fees, how they're calculated, how they're paid, significantly more disclosure on what the actual portfolio looks like. Um, you know, it requires annual audits and essentially compliance with the Advisors Act Rule 20642, the custody rule, uh, for those annual audits. So it, it looks like they're going to impose a surprise audit requirement or they have imposed on private fund managers. Um, for advisor-led secondary transactions, the key thing is that, and just so you know what these are, this is when an advisor or the manager gives an investor in a fund the opportunity to either, you know, sell all or a portion of their interest or convert their interest in one fund into an interest in another fund managed by that manager. So, you know, get out or roll over. Mm-hmm. Um, in that situation, managers are going to be required to obtain a fairness opinion uh, from an independent provider. And they're also going to have to disclose any material business relationship that the manager may have with the provider of that opinion. Um, you know, most significantly, probably in the, the retirement space, 
um, for big pension plans, probably less so for individual retirement savers, is they put in place a, a number of limitations on what can go into side letters. Um, so typically, when large investors invest in a private fund, they obtain you know bespoke uh, reporting rights, bespoke liquidity provision, and other bespoke terms. Um, here, uh, funds are essentially prohibited from giving unique redemption rights that are, that and unique uh, portfolio holding uh, information rights, unless uh, that in, that same term is offered to other investors. Um, and then, you know, equally significant, and, you know, right now we see a lot of side letters that ask for a copy of all other side letters or a copy of all terms granted to other investors. Uh, the SEC is mandating that, you know, prior to the granting of um, preferential terms to another investor, the manager has to provide notice to other investors of the term being granted. It doesn't say they have to grant the term, um, but there's going to be a notice requirement. So there's a, there's a handful of other things this rule does. Um, it's a very long, very complex rule. We could do another week on this at some point if you want, Jeff. Um, but at a high level, this, this is really kind of a step towards putting in place a, you know, very complex reporting system and conflict mitigation system around private funds. And David, I want to come back to you. Thank you for that, Kevin. That was excellent. David, I want to come back to you because we have talked about private market funds in defined contribution plans, this to me would would continue to open the door towards that. I know Kevin talked about pension funds, but just you know, I think one of the concerns can't speak for everybody, but one of the concerns is the maybe the, some of the lack of transparency. This creates more transparency, does some other things, but this could actually be a really good thing for those private market funds trying to become part of defined contribution programs, targeted funds, managed accounts, et cetera. And, and Jeff, you make a good point. I think we have to wait and see where everything lands at this point. Obviously, this was, there's a lot of heated views on, <laughs> on this SEC guidance, so you could tell I'm going right down the middle here. Yep. But at the same time, you're right. And I think there is one thing that's absolutely true no matter which side of the aisle you're on. There is clearly a tailwind that is pushing the broader use of alternative investments into different places, including DC. And this is another sort of brick in the wall. If I'm going to start sealing it. Oh, pink, uh, from Pink Floyd. There you go. I like Ex- that. You exactly. That. That. Well, uh, I mean, so I mean, David, would you, David, would you, I mean, I, you know, I, I think managers are broadly going to dislike this rule pushback and there could be litigation. Um, yes. But that's why, I'm you know, to be, Kevin. to be somewhat glib and keeping the Pink Floyd thing, you know, this might be the meat that some of the managers have to eat if they want some pudding. <laughs> you know what, Kevin? I I can't add anything to that. I think it's right to be down the middle right now because you're right. Some managers managers are not necessarily loving this, but there is a trend. So regardless of where the SEC guidance comes out, there's a trend in a direction, and that's where we're heading. And on that note, Jeff, we'll leave it there. And and you know, I was sitting on my fingers, and they become comfortably numb. Gentlemen, we're going to leave it there. Great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. And Jeff, another one bites the dust. We'll talk next week. There you go. Bye, guys. Thanks for having us on. Thanks, listeners. Bye. Have a safe flight. (laughs) Bye. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. 
This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses, I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Welcome back. And now we're going to talk Marcus joining us on the line. He is the lead anchor for the Schwab Network. We're going to get to that in a minute. Oliver Rennick. Oliver, great to talk to you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us this morning. Appreciate it, Jeff. Thanks as always. Okay, so uh, before we get into markets and J-PAL and all the other good stuff going on, uh, tell us about the Schwab Network. It's going very well. We're very excited. Uh, it was a really good week. Um, we officially um, transitioned over to the Schwab Network from being the TD Ameritrade Network for the last um, almost seven years. So it's definitely a big moment. We've got a lot of great smart people from Schwab now that are on our shows regularly and uh, it's very exciting and uh, great timing too because it is um, uh, really uh, been a fascinating year market-wise definitely promises to be we have this kind of um, uptick in the economy that is encouraging but creates some very interesting uh, investing dynamics so the kind of long-term mindset of the general Schwab investor versus kind of the higher frequency trader of the TD background. I mean, this is why these two companies make sense together. And so our coverage um, is now very, um, um, it's very uh, uh, balanced. Yeah, um, we're diverse. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you know, it's uh, exciting. So, and also, hey, I like blue better than green, so it works for me. Uh, see, I, I'm a green guy, but I think either one is fine with me. SchwabNetwork.com, that's how you get it, right, Oliver? That's right, yep. Okay, uh, why don't we dig in? Let's talk about Jay Powell. He is in um, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Uh, I'm not there. I don't know if you're there. I'm, I'm calling you on a uh, cell phone, so maybe you are there, and I don't know it. But neither of us are there. There's a big economic meeting, but Jay Powell – gave an update this morning at or Friday morning at 10 a.m. That's right. And um, it was distinctly um, uh, different from a year ago, but at the same time, not that different from generally uh, the themes that they have been uh, holding on to for uh, much of the past year. Um it was a slight downtick in terms of the intensity of the language compared to his speech at Jackson Hole a year ago, but it also was a very clear reminder that 
they have specific goals they want to achieve, and the main one is inflation at 2%, and they are not going to waver from that. So any hopes that, um, you know, they were going to adjust their goals was, you know, um, totally disproven. Not that it really should have been a debate, but there kind of has been this corner of the investing community that like always wants to ask him, Hey, would you stop at two and a half or 3% inflation? And he said, no, 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 over and over again. And, um, he started his discussion and his speech with that very specific adamant statement that, you know, they're going to get inflation down to 2%. A year ago, his statement also included the expectation for pain, uh, to be a part of the process to get inflation down, but no such, language was used this time around. It was more an acknowledgement that there could be some softening in the economy as a result of their inflation fight, but also some recognition, albeit somewhat marginal, but there was some recognition that things have generally gone better than expected, and the economy is showing signs of strength and housing, um, picking back up again, stuff like that. So there was some uh, recognition of the overall surprisingly strong economy uh but still it was a pretty uh, a balanced kind of um having a both ways discussion where he wasn't super aggressive but he also was um very clear that they're going to take it step by step and they're going to monitor for weaknesses in the economy and that they don't want to crash the economy if not necessary yeah, I wonder if there's a a major in college for Fed speechwriter Oliver. It just seems like that would be a job that someone would have to study for because you have to learn to speak like a Fed chairperson. I, I doubt Jay Powell writes his own speeches, right? Or maybe he does. Yeah, maybe. I mean, he's got. To, but yeah, I see. You know, your point. You got to try and. I mean, you got to try and find the harmony uh, with the market. Yeah, and and the uh, so so in all in all seriousness, how did the market respond to this week? Uh, when you look back Monday, you know the the anticipation, the bated breath. Uh, what, what would Jay Powell say in Wyoming uh, at 10 a.m. Eastern time? How how did the market react during the week? Well, it was not a very good week. Um, even those stocks actually. Um, are still up on the week as we speak on this Friday. Um, but it is discouraging for bulls to see the faded strength in markets following NVIDIA's big number and then also just the softness, the lack of a real rally after Powell. Um, it, there's not some dramatic crash um, happening, but there is a pretty persistent decline happening in stocks from their highs in July, and there's no real sign that that's going to stop because there were two main reasons for the big rally in stocks since October last year. Uh, One was the artificial intelligence-driven earnings revival, the potential of such a revival for tech demand. And then there was the uh, generally patient position from the Fed. And it looks like the market just ran out of gas um, with regards to both of these. And it kind of makes sense because it's hard to sustain the valuation gains that we've made over the last 
10 months when interest rates are making new highs, treasury yields making new highs on the 2, 10, and 30s everywhere across the curve. It just reduces uh, mathematically the demand for stocks when investors have more options now. So the market shouldn't be able to get as expensive as it was during COVID. And it was, you know, not back to those levels, but it was getting pretty lofty. So um, it makes sense to be in a state of repricing to the downside right now. Oliver, next week ends the month of August. August, September, typically later trading volume months or down months, I guess historically down months. Any expectation for next week? Or are people just going to kind of mail it in? It's the end of the end of the month. We go into the Labor Day weekend, and then we start fresh. Boom, September 5th. I think September 4th is Labor Day, the Labor Day holiday. I think it probably could be a very important week, actually, because we now have had two major, major events with NVIDIA earnings and Jackson Hole that failed to spur a meaningful rally in stocks. And so next week, we have a lot of economic data, including GDP, and we have a bunch of cloud earnings, too. So we'll kind of test some of these main themes that have been problematic for the bull case. And um, it's worth noting that the high for the S&P 500 this year is July 27th, which is when GDP last time came out very hot. Um, and um, that's when the S&P peaked. We had a spike in yields. And um, it hasn't quite been the same since. So that was because GDP expectations came in way too high. And um, now we will test that again next week. And if the numbers come in hot, then we're going to see yields likely go up and the stocks will probably hate it. Well, I know we can get the best analysis and breakdown. That is at the Schwab Network. Oliver Rennick, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for popping by the program and enjoy the rest of your weekend, my friend. Thank you very much. Bye. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, then visit our website. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRN AM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe. Keep on saving. Don't forget, roll with the changes.